Hello and welcome to the Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Have you tried putting controls on your life to change your behavior? Biblically, should you beat yourself up for sin in your life? Is it okay to live like the world because God's grace covers our sin? Once we get a hold of our identity as believers and how we deal with sin, we can walk through life in a victorious way instead of a defeated way. How do our beliefs affect our choices? Why do we keep going back to the same behaviors we have been trying to avoid? Are we slaves? Pastor Todd explains through Scripture exactly what our identity is in our righteousness. Are we really slaves? Are you ready to get into it? Be sure to listen to the end for some important information. Y'all ready to get into it? All right, we're going to do that. Today, there's a joyful thing for me to tell you. I'm not going to teach you anything new today. It's not a time to talk about something new. It's a time to refresh something we need to remember and that we need to understand. Last week, I talked about letting the Holy Spirit transform your soul and your body instead of trying to make behavior modifications to control sin. I said you can fight against sin in your life in the flesh by changing your behaviors, and you can. And you can try to control yourself so you don't sin, or you can allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to change your beliefs so that your behaviors change. So let me make it even more confusing for you today. Do you need to put controls in place to stop looking at pornography? Yes. Do you need to stop unrighteous anger episodes in your life? Yes. Do you need to stop depression and anxiety from controlling your life? Yes. Do you need to stop spending and putting yourself into financial crisis? Yes. Do you need to put spiritual disciplines in your life to help you deal with sin? Yes. Now watch. Biblically, is there condemnation for sin in the believer's life? No, Romans 8.1. Biblically, is there punishment from God for sins in your life? No, Isaiah 53, 10 and 11. Biblically, should you beat yourself up over sin in your life? No. Then what in the world am I talking about? It sounds like I'm saying it's no problem if we keep on sinning, but you do some things to help you stop sinning, but there's nothing you can do to actually help you stop sinning, so stop sinning without changing anything. Confused? Good. I'm going to clarify it today. I think once we get a hold of the identity of the believer and sin and how we deal with it, we get to walk through life in a victorious way instead of in a defeated way. So as your pastor, as the pastor of Revived Church, I want to start by sending a very clear message. I don't want ever you to be confused on this topic. I do not believe that the Bible proclaims a free grace message. I do not believe that. What do I mean by that? Not that it was given to us as a gift is true, but if you don't know what free grace means, it means that God's okay with your sin because he loves you. You cannot and should not take advantage of God's grace so that you can sin. Sin is wrong. Sin has consequences. And the Bible is clear that we should abstain from sin. But 
the greater question might be, why did you choose salvation if you want to continue in your sin? Did sin bring you enough problems? Wasn't its emptiness and destructiveness and horrible consequences what helped you choose Jesus and salvation? If you already knew the horribleness of sin, the results of the darkness, the consequences of sinful decision, the cruelty of Satan, and the end result of sin, the hopelessness, the depression, the anxiety, the struggles, the dead end, why would we want to go back to that? I want you to listen to these scriptures about the believer and sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Become sober-minded as you ought. Stop sinning. Everybody say, stop sinning. For some have no knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. Ephesians 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, be imitators of God. Say, be imitators of God. As beloved children and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma, but immorality and any impurity or greed must not even be named among you as it is, uh, as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness or silly talk or coarse jesting, uh, which, which are not fitting, but rather we should be giving thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral, impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of God. We are supposed to be imitators of God. Does God sin? No. Then as imitators of God, we should put those things away. First John 3, 9. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides his. Jesus' seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, the children of God and the children of devil are obvious. We know based on the sin who you're obeying. Anyone who does not practice righteousness isn't of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Romans 6.1. What do we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we have died to sin, continue to live in sin? I think that's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that sin should be removed from the believer's life and that it's not okay because God's grace covers it to go ahead and continue in it. How could we possibly believe that God is okay with sin? And free grace, listen to me, is the greatest misrepresentation and misinterpretation abuse in Christianity today. It is being taught that we can live like the world and it's okay because we're covered in Jesus. And it does not represent Jesus. So I'm going to put it to rest right here, right now, today. God calls us to holiness, and you are not free to sin because of God's grace. But today I thought it important to follow up on the temple message that we talked about last week to help you see how dealing with sin, how this process works in the life of a believer. When I am not a believer... I only have my soul and my body to help me. Therefore, anything I do is a flesh modification and control because there's nothing divine in it. When the veil is torn and the spirit is released, my soul and my body get divine help. The Holy Spirit joins with my mind, my soul, my body to come up with divine solutions for everything that happens in my life. So today I want to explore that divine help. 
And I'm going to start by saying this just to give you a picture, a baseline to compare things to. I have recently lost 20 pounds. Thank you. Do you know how I lost 20 pounds? By controlling my behavior. I controlled what I put in my mouth. I said, bread and sugar and carbohydrates, you don't belong here. So I got this gate up and it's like, carbohydrates? No. Steak? Oh, yes. (laughs) And I can try to control my behavior to keep that weight off. And by continuing to control what I put in my mouth, I can stop the weight gain. But I want to ask you, did I gain the weight by making the decision to put more food in my mouth? I did. Because I gain the weight because I have faulty beliefs. I want you to hear me. This is Todd Mozingo, not you. When I am under stress, I eat more. I don't fully understand why I do that, but I can tell you during the times when stress comes into my life, I begin to eat more. So this summer, we worked a whole summer on remodeling this building to make it a church building. This may come as a great shock to you, but they're not easy decisions. Even the carpet choice ended up being a four-week process, okay? Uh, Things don't work right. You open up a wall, and there's an electrical panel inside the wall. You didn't know it was there, and you got to call an electrician, and he's got to move that, and things are working and not working. And then the county has a permit for you to breathe. (laughs) So you go through all of these things, and this... Glenn, am I speaking the truth? Amen. Amen. So when I'm under stress, listen to me, I believe eating more food in some way is helping me. Eating more food meets some kind of need in me when I'm stressed. Maybe I believe I'm expending a lot of energy, therefore I need more energy. Maybe I believe it's actually helping me think better. Maybe I believe it's just a reward for working hard. Uh, Maybe I believe that eating is my escape to get out of the building, and the longer lunch I take, the longer I am from the stress. (laughs) And maybe I don't even know why stress makes me eat more, but I do. So here's the bottom line. If I don't change what I believe every time I'm under stress, I will gain weight. So is it a truth from God that I should expect to gain weight every time I'm under stress? No, the Bible never says, be thee prepared, for when the stress comes upon thee, so will the public sub sandwich. But here's the truth. I cannot control always the stress in my life. It happens. Stress comes in. So I've got to change what I believe so that when stress happens, I don't go to eating more. So what in the world does that have to do with the Holy Spirit and behavior modification? Listen to me. If you are trying to stop sin with behavior control, you will sin again. 
I mean, let's be honest. How many times have you tried to stop doing something that you know is wrong only to go back to doing it again? And then what do you do? You beat yourself up. I cannot believe, again, I'm doing this. I put the controls in place, and then I found a way around the controls. Mm. Why are we doing that? Why do we continue to try to put behavior controls in place, watch them work for a little while, and then watch them go right? Listen, I've lost that 20 pounds 15 times. (laughs) But I keep going back to eating. Why does that happen? I'm going to tell you why. Because you are enslaved. You are a slave. And let me explain what I mean by you are a slave. Romans 6, 16. Do you not know that when you present yourselves to something as a slave for obedience, you are slaves to the one you obey? Either of sin resulting in death, or of obedience resulting in righteousness. But thanks be to God, though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient, watch, from the heart. Everybody say, from the heart. To that form of teaching to which you were committed, and having been freed from sin, you became a slave to righteousness. Stay with me. What is a slave? Someone who is obedient to a master. The scripture says you can be a slave to the sinful things or you can be a slave to righteousness. So how do you get freedom from sin? You become a slave to righteousness. So this is why you go back to sinful things because you're still a slave to that sin. And you have to become a slave to righteousness. As you continue to obey that sin, you you continue to be a slave to it. All right, so y'all go home. Have a good day. (laughs) The question is, how do I go from being a slave to sin to being a slave to righteousness? How do I get from there to here? Do you remember it said you make this decision from the heart? Listen to me. In the temple configuration, the outer courts being the body, the holy of holies being the spirit of man, the soul contains the mind, the will, the emotions, the heart. That's where the heart is. So something in the soul. I have to come obedient from the soul. How do I do that? Romans 12, 2. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the removing of your mind. My mind has to change so that you may prove what the will of what the will of God is that that what is good and acceptable and perfect. Transformation comes when my mind is renewed, when my mind is changed, when something goes on in my soul that flips a switch and I'm in a different direction. Did you notice the scripture did not say be transformed by doing right things? It did not say be transformed by stopping wrong things. It did not say be transformed by getting somebody to be your accountability partner. It did not say be transformed by getting rid of your smartphone and getting angel lock on your laptop. It did not say be conformed by counting to 10 whenever you feel angry. It did not say be transformed by talking to friends when you're depressed. It did not say be transformed by taking small portions of food in Tupperware to work every day.
Oh, listen. It also did not say, be transformed by increasing your quiet time to 20 minutes. See, the core problem of sin isn't what you're doing. The core problem of sin is your beliefs. And your beliefs drive your actions. And your actions don't change by control permanently. They only change temporarily. Your actions change when your beliefs change. So most believers constantly focus on removing sin from their life by controlling, and they end up frustrated. And when you focus on control, listen to me, you are in the flesh. Why? Because I'm in control of the control I'm putting in place. That's in the flesh. That's in the flesh. So let me ask this question. With the Holy Spirit of God living in you, are you righteous or are you a sinner? Good answer. 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him, God made Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that, my favorite two words in the Bible, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He made Jesus sinful so that you could become righteous. Romans 5.19, for as though through one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one capital O, talking about Jesus. The obedience of Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Man, when you get this, it will change you. Jesus made you righteous. You did not make you righteous. Jesus, you did not act, earn, or develop yourself into a righteous place. Jesus made you righteous by what he did. You are not made righteous by what you do. How do I know that? Because if you were made righteous by what you do, the law would have worked and we would have never needed Jesus. We could have just followed the rules and we would have been righteous. But not a single person in the history of the planet was ever able to follow the law and become righteous. Jesus came. He was the only one who could be righteous under the law because he never sinned. Oh, this is big. It's big when you figure out it's not you who makes you righteous. It's Christ in you who makes you righteous. This is an identity issue. Do you believe you are righteous? Yes or no question. Yes or no question. Do you believe you're righteous? No, because most of us will sit back and say, no, you don't know what I did yesterday, pastor. Pastor, I was looking at something last night that was definitely not righteous. Listen to me. I'm going to tell you how to deal with that. But the question is, is the Spirit of God living in you or not? If he is, then you are righteous. And you've got to believe in your righteousness. Uh, listen, because if you don't believe you're righteous before God, watch. You will identify with the unrighteous, the lost, the sinful. If you believe you are righteous before God, you will identify with the righteous, the saved. Oh, that's good. You should have written that down. That's good. The saved are the ones who are set free from sin and death. We're no longer slaves, but I'm going to show you how to take the shackles off. Romans 8, 
you got to listen to this whole thing, man. Paul is so good. Uh, listen, <laughs> this is so much deeper that I can teach today what I'm about to read to you. But I want you to hear it based on what I've given you up to this point. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life. Who's the spirit of life? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of life. The Holy Spirit of life in Christ has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, as weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own son in the likeness of sin, uh, sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us because we do not walk according to the flesh, that's the body and the soul, but according to the spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. For those who are according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh, the soul and the body. But those who walk according to the Holy Spirit, these things, they set their mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. Why do we set our minds on the things of the Holy Spirit? Verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God. Notice that L is not capitalized. It's talking about the ways of God, not the Levitical law, for it's not even able to do so. Why? Why is the body set on the flesh, not able to please God because there's no indwelling Holy Spirit. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Why? Because there's no divine direction going on in your life without the Holy Spirit. Oh, you'll get it in a minute, I promise. We don't walk according to the flesh. We don't walk according to just our soul and body. We walk according to the Spirit because the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is released into man's spirit and gone through the veil to now work with the soul and the body to give divine answers. Therefore, we walk according to the Holy Spirit. And if you try to survive with just your soul and your body, you are against the Holy Spirit and you're headed toward the things of death. It's a bold statement. If you're living according to the Holy Spirit, you're pleasing to God. That's what it just said. And it said, if you're living according to the soul and the body, the flesh, you're not pleasing to God. Romans 8, 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons or the children of God. Psalms 46, 10, cease striving and know that I am God. This is God saying, I see you trying to put controls in place. I see you working on it. I see you trying to set up your laptop differently. I see you taking the Tupperware to work. I see you trying to stay away from this and stay away from that. I see you making sure none of that ends up in your house so you don't open that bottle later. I see you trying to avoid that friend who wants to sell you that bag. Okay, I see all of that, but you got to cease striving and know I'm God and I put my spirit in you to deal with this. I just want to say this, the greatest call and the greatest privilege in our life is to be led by the spirit of the very living, loving, creative God. 
to get divine direction from the one who created it all, to get divine direction from the most loving being in existence, to get divine direction from the one who knows the plans for our life, to get divine direction from the one who knows what is best for us, to get divine direction to please the one we most want to please, our Father, our God, our Creator. And he is making available to you everything you need to walk in his ways. Romans 8, 16. The Spirit himself, that's the Holy Spirit. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. That's the spirit in man that gets regenerated and brought to life so that the Holy Spirit has a place to dwell. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, we're heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified. I got to be buried and die with him and be raised, John 16, 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. I'm telling you, most of the time, people look at that scripture, and they say, the Holy Spirit's going to lead you into all the truth. They think about the Bible. The Holy Spirit's going to lead me into all the truth about the Word of God. So, so I need to understand, I need to get revelation, and he's going to listen to me. He's not only leading you into the truth about the Scripture, he's leading you into the truth about who you are, about what drives you, about why you do what you do, about why you get angry, about why you get sad, about why you isolate, what makes you rejoice, the truth about what you need to do next. He is going to guide us into all the truth. The Holy Spirit has an assignment from God to lead you only into things that are true about the Word, about God, about the Spirit, about Jesus, and about you. God is not interested in you groveling in the dark to try to find Him. God is not interested in playing games with you in your life. God is not interested in you trying to prove to him that you're good enough. God is not interested in you finding your own way. God is interested in teaching you peace. Peace. Peace that I'm not constantly struggling with that addiction. Peace, that I'm not constantly fighting with the family. Peace, that my future is secure and I have a hope in his glory. Peace, I can walk in a place of peace no matter what the storm around me looks like because he's going to teach me peace. He's going to teach me what it means to be joyful. Joyful when that contractor doesn't show up. Joyful when that contractor does it wrong. <laughs> Joyful when you're here at 6 a.m. and you leave at midnight. Joyful. He's going to teach me those things. And he's interested in preparing you for the greatness that he's called for you for. I, one of the most beautiful things I find about working inside a church is knowing that God has a plan for you that hasn't been fulfilled yet. That's a bummer, isn't it? 
Because the majority of time, you don't even know what it is. But he's never planning for you to be less than you are today. He's never planning for you to spend more time in sorrow. He's never planning for you to have a rougher road if that rougher road isn't leading you to a greater greatness. In other words, the joy of working in this is knowing you are at the bottom of where you're going to be with God. He has a plan for you. He has a future for you. He's going to be doing something with you. And every once in a while, you begin to see it in other people. Well, I remember them when they were too shy to even talk to anybody, and now they're up on the stage preaching. Well, I remember them when they didn't know what to do, and everything was misery and victimhood, and what's God doing with me, and now they're running a ministry. It's incredible to watch God do those things. He's doing that with you. He's interested in talking with you, teaching you, encouraging you, and yes disciplining you occasionally. I'm about to make a weird statement. I'm grateful my dad had a leather belt. And I'm just going to tell you, it hurt. I'm also going to tell you that at 13 years old, my brother and I had done something really stupid. He was 18 months older than me, and we knew there's no question. When dad gets home, the belt is coming off. Clearly. My older brother, who I hope he's watching right now, listen to this, Steve. <laughs> My older brother, we're in the bedroom. You know, mom sends you to the room. You go to the room until your father gets home. My older brother looks at me and he says, whatever you do today, don't cry. Okay. I'm 13. He's 14 and a half. Dad comes in, the little keychain comes off and goes in the pocket, which means the belt's coming off. We do the circle dance. <laughs> and it hurt, but neither me or my brother cried. And the next day, my dad said, we're done with belt whippings. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But what my dad was doing was showing me that Dumb decisions come with dumb consequences. He changed the consequences from a belt to something worse, but he didn't beat me. He started taking things away from me, like my car. God doesn't do this out of anger, even when he disciplines you. The scripture is clear, Romans 2.4. It is God's kindness that leads you to repentance. What is he actually saying? What you're doing is going to lead to your pain. It's going to lead to your destruction. It's going to lead to a ruined relationship. It's going to lead to a physical calamity. It's going to lead to an absolute mess in your life. And I'm going to be nice enough to give you a little whop on the backside to say, get away from that. And he's doing it out of his kindness because he knows what his plans for your future are. So you can either remove sin from your life temporarily and remain frustrated, or you can submit to the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit and be transformed in your mind and be set free from sin. The Holy Spirit, with the truth of God, will change what you believe. He will show you that you can be enslaved to righteousness. I've talked about this many times. That John 16 says, for the believer, the Holy Spirit will convict you of your righteousness. Why? Because he does not want to convict you of your condemnation. 
He wants you to know you're saved. He wants you to know you've got the ability to go beyond that. He wants you to know he can change your mind. He wants you to know I can set you free. He wants you to know God's got a plan for you. He wants you to know there's more and better for you coming up. All you got to do is submit to what he's changing in your mind. Listen, God will give you the desires of your heart, not what you want but you have broken desires and he's going to give you new desires. I want desires in my heart for him. I want desires in my heart for what's best for me. I want desires in my heart for righteousness. I want desires in my heart to follow his plan. And he's going to give me the desires that I need in my heart so that I can fulfill his plan for me. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. He will show you temptation. I've been watching this this week. It's a beautiful thing. When you know it's the enemy, you can laugh at it. Andrew, Andrew, was it demonic what came on you? And is it gone now? And did it go miraculously? Come on, come on. When you can see the devil at work in your marriage... You know who to fight. Stop fighting your spouse and fight the enemy. He will always, the Bible says, always show you the way out of sin. Always. How many of you have seen it and decided not to take it? Come on. I get up out of bed to go look at that computer or I stay here in bed. Oh, well, I got to go to the bathroom anyways. He will never leave you, never forsake you. And that means that that opportunity to transform what you believe into something that is righteous is always available. Listen to me. It's in your dreams. It's in your visions. It's in the words of people he put in your life to speak them over you. It's in the scripture. It's the word and the spirit together saying to you, you're righteous. You want to see your righteousness? Let's break you from your enslavement to sin and make you a slave to righteousness and watch how much joy and happiness and peace come into your life. But we have to put our attention, the body and the soul, we got to turn that ship around and look to the spirit and say, you guide me. I'm tired of doing this on my own. I'm tired of putting controls in place. I'm tired of trying to fix things. There's a man that normally sits right over there. I was going to point him out today, but he's not here. You know who I'm talking about. A year ago, struggling with alcohol. A year ago, sitting in a church service, not even asking for deliverance from alcohol. He said, the Holy Spirit said, by the way, you're done drinking. He said, never had a desire after that. Stop. Done. Why? Because he's got his mind set on the spirit. And the spirit said, thanks for looking at me. I got something to tell you. You're done with drinking. Uh, listen, there's ways we can help in this process. Uh, I'm just going to do a plug here. Uh, our encounter discipleship class, uh, I've gone through that myself. The core of what that class is really about is, are you hearing from God? Do you know his voice? Can you listen to what he's telling you? Can you operate in the gifts that he's given you? Do you believe in him? Would you listen to him? That is a great class to foundationally figure out, how do I hear from God? Second... 
We have an inner healing class. And a matter of fact, a whole group of people here where you learn to overcome the struggles that are in your way, the things that you believe. And listen to me, inner healing is not about finding out um, how you get angry or how you have anxiety or how you repeat these destructive patterns. It's about why do you do it? And if we can change the why in your belief system, then you will see it will be removed from your behavior system. Third, maybe, maybe you were raised like me. Maybe you were raised in the place where the Bible was all about legalism and rules. That God would be pleased with if you do these things and not do those things. And so my entire life became about behavior modification to make sure I wasn't doing these things and I was doing these things so that I could be blessed. The problem was I still struggled with every bit of it in here and in here. I still wanted it. I still desired it. And then Jesus came and said, it's not about getting in bed with her. It's about thinking about getting in bed with her. That's where the problem is. It's in your heart. It's in your soul. And we got to cleanse that thing. We got to break that out of you so that you don't have a desire to get in bed with her. What's my point, church? Transformation comes from the Holy Spirit, not from disciplines or legalism. Now, I won't use his name. But I had a friend who yesterday was in a lot of pain. And I went to that friend with some Excedrin, extra strength Excedrin. Here was my heart. You're hurting. I just want to take the edge off of it, man. Let me give this to you so you can take the edge off it. He said, no, I ain't taking nothing waiting for Jesus. By the end of the day, at the men's breakfast, he's bouncing around good. I said, are you okay? He said, I'm not in pain anymore. It's gone. Now, let me make a point. I think when it comes to behavioral control, it's like an aspirin. It may be a temporary fix to the pain, but it's not solving the problem. It's just numbing the pain. So when we try behavioral control, we may get a temporary fix to the problem but we don't have a permanent resolution to the issue. That comes from the Spirit. This is all I want to say, church. It's a whole different world when you step over into the fact that the very Creator God has sent His Spirit to indwell you to begin transforming your mind and your thought. Therefore, your actions and things change in your life. And if we don't submit to that and we continue to try to take control, all we're doing is turning our back on Him and saying, I don't need what you got. I think I can accomplish it this way. And He's saying, if you would just turn around, I would tell you, you're done with that today. I'm going to deliver that and pluck it right out of you. You're finished. Why? Because you're righteous. Stand to your feet, please. I'm going to ask my altar ministers to come forward. I'm hoping that today we could take just a moment right now and get really, really honest with yourself. Really honest, whatever that besetting sin and whatever that thing that you feel like you can't conquer, 
Whatever that thing that comes back again and again and again, whatever that thing is you know is unrighteous, you know God is not pleased with, but it's there and you continue to fight and struggle with it, that maybe today you would ask yourself, am I dealing with this in the flesh? Am I trying to fix my problem and not allowing the Holy Spirit to do miraculously, to do it miraculously so that I would have a new testimony? So that I would say, it never was about me. It's about him too. So I could say, when he fixes it, it's fixed for good. And the enemy may try, but I'm going to see the enemy. And I'm not letting that come back because the Holy Spirit's going to convict me. I'm righteous. I want to ask you this morning, how much longer are you going to fight? How much longer are you going to try to prove to that other person in your life that you can get a grip on this, that you can handle it, that you can stop it? How much longer are you going to know in here, that's the way I feel, but I'm just not going to let anybody know it? Because the in here can be changed. The in here can be transformed. The the darkness, the evil can be broken and released and expelled. And the spirit can step in and say, that ain't coming back. Maybe today you'd be willing to say, I'm done. I'm done fighting this. I want it broken off of me. You can do that right now, but if you feel like, man, this one's beyond, I'm so wrapped up in this one, I need somebody else to pray for me. Listen to me, this is how it works. You come forward. You don't got to tell your story. You don't got to start with how your dad abused you. You don't got to start with where the drinking started. You got to walk up and say, I'm in bondage to this. I'm in bondage to pornography. I'm in bondage to alcohol. I'm in bondage to anger. I'm in bondage to fear. And let's put that thing at the foot of the cross and say, Holy Spirit, come and show us the truth. Are we supposed to be bound by this? Or can we be slaves to righteousness? Father God, this morning, I'm just asking you, Holy Spirit, please convict righteousness. Convict them that they can go out of here today free from slavery to sin. Free. Righteous, indwelled by the Spirit, living a joy of peace, life of peace and joy. I trust you so much, God, that you want to do this more than I want it done and even more than they want it done in their life. That there's a joy in you, Father, when your children find freedom. That there's a joy when they come to you and say, Dad, help me. And that you would come, Holy Spirit, and you would wipe that away. And allow us to walk in the freedom and no longer be enslaved to sin. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, If the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. 
This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com slash give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue in Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.